We are in the season which gives meaning to all seasons. For without Easter, there would be no gospel, no good news, no message, no church. It's true we could still talk of the birth of Jesus, his life, his ministry, and his death, but without the empty tomb and the risen Christ, it would just be a tale of tragedy rather than triumph. Emptiness isn't normally something we get excited about. Nobody comes down the stairs on Christmas morning hoping to find an empty stocking. Nobody likes to go to the fridge for milk and find an empty carton. Nobody likes to, well, get to the end of the day finding that they're running on empty. And nobody likes empty promises. Empty has a kind of negative feeling to it. So emptiness isn't usually something to get excited about. Unless, of course, it's Easter morning. Because then the emptiness speaks of promises fulfilled. It not only holds out hope for other promises made, it changes everything. On that very first Easter morning, the picture we get from the New Testament is of a group of people who were totally demoralized, frightened, grief-stricken. As far as they were concerned, it was all over. Their dreams were at an end. Their master and friend was dead. There was nothing left for them to do but go back to their nets, back to their tax booths, back to their kitchens, and go through the daily motions of, the, the motions of daily life to try and blend back into their communities and to try and forget. Try to forget that he spoke about life abundant because he was no longer there. He was dead. Try to forget that he promised a new kingdom where everything would be turned upside down because now their lives were turned upside down and their leader, their teacher, their friend had died on a cross like a common criminal. Try to forget that he spoke of God as his father, but where was God when he and when they really needed God most? He was dead, and with him everything he ever stood for, everything he had promised. That's how Jesus' friends, his followers, felt that first Easter morning. It was over, it was finished, it was best to hide lest the same horrific end came to them. It was best to forget they'd ever known him, let his story die with him in his borrowed tomb, sealed shut with a stone. But that was before. That was before they found out that the stone had rolled away. And because the stone is rolled away, everything changed, and the world will never be the way it was. Throughout history, stones have been rolled away and everything changed. At one time, scientists and theologians believed that the earth was the center of the universe. Then Copernicus formulated a model of the universe that placed the sun rather than the earth at the center of the universe. And a stone was rolled away and everything changed and never again would humanity's perspective on the universe be the same. 
At one time, people attributed illness to all kinds of strange influences. Then Louis Pasteur did his research on bacteria, and he not only discovered that disease came from tiny, tiny little microorganisms, but he also realized that bacteria could be killed by heat and by disinfectant. And this idea caused doctors to wash their hands and sterilize their instruments, which has saved millions of lives. And another stone was rolled away and everything changed and never again could we go back to earlier ways of treating illness. Mary Magdalene and the other women certainly did not expect anything special that first Easter morning. The only thing that they were expecting was a bleak and cold reality of death. And they were thinking of the tasks which lay before them. They had gone to anoint the body and they had one concern, how would they roll away the stone? But when they arrived, the stone is rolled away and the body of Christ is gone and a messenger from God tells them, he is not here, he is risen. And in Matthew's gospel, we're told they left the tomb filled with joy. But the joy they felt was more than simple happiness. It was a joy that was filled with hope because death had been conquered. It did not have the final word. Jesus, the word made flesh, his teachings and his promises had been validated. Nothing again would be the same. The lives of those who followed Jesus would now have new meaning and purpose and energy because the stone was rolled away. Mary is the first witness to the risen Christ, the first to testify to what she's seen, the first to go and share the good news with the ones who needed to hear it the most, the ones who are hiding behind locked doors for fear, the ones mourning and in pain. And with that message that had been entrusted to her, that Christ is risen, the good news was that suffering and pain and hate and death did not win. Like Mary, we too have a role to play. We know our world is full of injustice and need. We know that even though we are Easter people, much of the time we still live in a Good Friday world. A world that chooses violence and fear and hate too much of the time. Though Christ is risen, we often choose to act contrary to what he's taught us because we feel overwhelmed. That means that on most mornings, a fair number of people are feeling the same way the disciples must have been feeling that first morning. They're wondering where hope has gone. They're crying out for another way, a way of forgiveness, of reconciliation, of love, a different ending to the story that they're living. They're listening for any good news that says suffering doesn't win, that death doesn't get the last word, that God is good and so full of grace and God doesn't give up on his world. Some of the people of Ukraine, of Syria, of Afghanistan, of Yemen, of Myanmar need to hear that 
as they face intensified persecution. Families caught up in acts of terrorism need to hear that as they mourn the tragic loss of family members. Some days each of us needs to hear afresh the good news of Easter that despite the tragedies and trials we all face in this life, death doesn't get the last word. Death doesn't win, life does. Because when Jesus emerges from that tomb, everything changes. Very often we get caught up trying to explain or rationalize the resurrection stories. And yet we can never do it to a degree that completely satisfies everybody. But perhaps any attempt to explain it to that kind of degree misses the point. The point being that something amazing had to have happened to have changed a group of absolutely terrified disciples who hid themselves away in case the authorities came for them into a people who showed no fear as they told the story to all who would listen, even though for many it would mean a cruel death. And even Thomas, who is most often remembered for his doubt that first Easter morning, was among those who would share the story with all who would listen. And I find that sad because it wasn't only Thomas. Initially, the other disciples didn't believe. It took an encounter with Christ before they believed. And in each case, he met the people where they were with the concerns and doubts that they had. When Mary Magdalene needed to know that she had not been abandoned, and in order to believe, she needed to hear her name spoken. In order to believe, Peter and the other disciples in the upper room needed to hear the words, peace be with you to know that they were forgiven for having deserted and denied Jesus. Thomas needed to see the wounds of the risen Christ in order to believe. And for those who still seek him, God still reveals himself in different ways because he meets us where we are. So may we remain open to seeing the wonders of God's loving presence in this world. May we see where we are to partner God in bringing about his kingdom here on earth. And may we revel in the reality that never before has something so empty been so fulfilling that will give life abundant. So let's try to live as Easter people, not Good Friday people, because the stone has been rolled away Let's not struggle to roll it back because Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.